You're listening to The Marketing Trench, the official podcast where no real estate professional gets left behind in the pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. A podcast designed to help you build the foundation of a powerful real estate career. Join real estate experts Ricardo Bueno, Marketing Technology Director at West, Dustin Stevie, CEO of Lighthouse Escrow, and Scott Shang, partner at Bywise Mortgage and founder of Find My Way Home, as they bring you real-world strategies, marketing ideas, and solutions straight from the trench. We can't really start laughing because Ricardo's not here, so we don't have anybody to laugh at. (laughs) (laughs) Even without Ricardo, we have. (laughs) So we start off laughing today because we're laughing about Ricardo not being here. (laughs) I remember when Ricardo showed up and how great that used to be. (laughs) I remember that too. Oh, those were the days. Oh, those were the days. Okay, so welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, As you've gathered, Ricardo is not here. He's out with the cold. And so it's Scott and I here hanging out, and we're going to dig into the subject of my company, Lighthouse Escrow, mm-hmm. building our CRM. Yep. Yep. So uh, what we're hoping that comes out of this conversation is, uh, well, a number of things probably, one of which is you get to see decision-making calculus in real time, right? You get to see how mm-hmm. we're analyzing things, Uh why we made the decisions we were making. It's basically a case study, right? And then Scott has a whole bunch of questions and likely insights. And at the end of it, we're going to completely redo our CRM. <laughs> well, well, no, and, and let me give a little background here. Uh, you know, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is because, first of all, you're wicked smart and you're trying to build a CRM. So that is in contrast to... Uh, a meeting that Ricardo had last week that I went and attended and Ricardo was in front of 12 uh, real estate professionals and they were trying to learn the new CRM that their company had introduced to them. So their company introduced the CRM. The the CRM is irrelevant, um, but it was a modern CRM. It had the features uh, of a modern CRM. Uh, It had the capabilities of a modern CRM. And so it had, there was a dozen of these agents that were sitting in a room and Ricardo's responsibility as an employee of West was to go out there and kind of and educate them with um, being technology agnostic. He, he wasn't a representative of the CRM. He was talking CRMs, the, the, in, in general, what does a CRM do? What features does this CRM have and how do you use those features? And what, what's the result of that? And the conversation was absolutely fascinating to me because it surprised me at the lack of, of um, understanding of what the CRM represented in their business, what it could do for them in their business. It almost felt like um, it almost felt like there was there was a feeling that that a CRM is like uh, your Google contacts or your contacts in your phone, and just it stores the name and the phone number of people that you talk to or you do business with, and uh, and it's not. It was so much more. So that. That experience and Ricardo basically was about 90 minutes of him trying to baby step through. And then people were like, well, what does this particular feature do? And he's like, well, that feature plays into this whole automation set or way to sort data or to do that. And for me, it was a shining example of trying to explain 
a CRM to somebody that had absolutely no idea. Now contrast that with somebody like you, who's very analytical, um, who's very purposeful. Like you said, the calculus of, of, uh, of creating a CRM and mapping it out. And, and, and I realized instantly, I was like, that's the conversation that I want us to have. That's what I think that this podcast, I think that's what we bring to, to, to our audience. Mm -hmm. And that's what the trench is about. The trench is Dustin right now is building a CRM for his company. It's, it's, this is not, this is not, Oh, I need a new shiny object. This is life and death. This is like, I need, um, I need a pacemaker on the heart of my business. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So for us, let's just start at the very beginning. Why a CRM and why now? And it's really simple. I'm growing a sales team. And so when you have a, uh, you know, a number of people, more than one, out in the field representing your company, talking to, in our case, real estate agents, you want to be able to have, uh, you want to be able to have a list of who's talking to whom because there's a bit of an ownership thing, right? Uh, we don't do territories at my company. I don't believe in them. And so uh, I believe in relationship networks. And so there's going to be moments where, uh, one of our sales team is going to bump into somebody that's being uh, that's you know talking to another member of the sales team, and there needs to be a way to quickly identify that. But beyond that, uh, beyond that sort of uh, obvious use case of hey, this you know this person belongs to that you know sales rep, there's more important stuff. So another reason we're doing a sale, uh, CRM is because of the conversations we actually had in the marketing trench, where you Scott helped me to understand the value of a CRM. Uh, as building sort of uh, uh, a tangible thing of value for a company, right? In other words, it's an asset that can be sold down the road. Um, I'm not looking to sell, but it's nice to know that we're building up that value proposition at the company. Um, Another reason is because I've seen in 10 years of running escrow companies that uh, it is so easy for salespeople to just swing from thing to thing to thing, from seeming opportunity to seeming opportunity. And I use the qualifier seeming because there are a lot of things out there that look like opportunities that are merely distractions. Mm-hmm. A lot of people presenting things. And so you need to filter them, right? And we've talked on this podcast about the value of past clients. We've talked yeah. on this podcast about making big impressions, right? We've talked on this podcast about having a funnel None of that is possible if all you have is a stack of business cards. All you have as a salesperson is a stack of business cards and a bunch of mental notes saying, call this person, right? You're never, ever going to go next level and achieve the kind of brand experience that we aim for here at Lighthouse. I've talked about aiming for glow. You will never, ever have that unless you have a place where, say, for example, your history of communication with a person is logged or your personal notes on these people is logged. And it's all aggregated, right? Contact information, uh, information about maybe the person is religious and doesn't drink coffee or or alcohol. So don't invite them to a coffee meeting, right? Notes like that, aggregated in the same Mm -hmm. place. Uh, How many escrows have they opened? How many escrows have they closed? What listings do they have? All of this stuff, if you can aggregate it and, and put it in a place where a salesperson can quickly get to it, that empowers them to outsource those memories to a system so that they free up their mental space to work on and focus on other things, mm-hmm. namely closing deals. Um, but also it, it makes them appear very on top of it because they in fact are, they've outsourced their on top of it, uh, on top of it, this 
to a system, right? There's there's a word creation, but <laughs> trademark that. That's trademark right. that. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, if if a, if a rep can pick up the phone and be like, hey, you know, uh, thank you for closing a deal with us last week. That's amazing. By the way, I saw you just got this listing, and it's all right there. Man, it really creates an impression. So subjects on this podcast motivated me to uh, create the CRM. So that was the. How's decision. that working out? Um, so it's working out really well. How did you start? What so, was the first thing that you did? So step one was uh, I mentioned to one of my sales team, hey, I want to do a CRM. And he had talked to me about having used Salesforce at his previous company, which yeah. was a subsidiary or a, a third party connected to ExxonMobil. He came from outside of our industry. Um, that was purposeful. I actually hired people outside of real estate because I wanted to have certain habits and disciplines uh, from people who, frankly, are working in more step uh What's the word Structure. I'm looking for? Structured industry, uh, industries. Real estate is very tends to be very ad hoc, um, yeah. and so um, he he talked to me about sales. So we the had a conversation of entrepreneurialism. about entrepreneurialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so step one was I floated the idea to our sales team, and they seemed very interested in it. So step two was my, one of my sales reps said, "Hey, I have a guy. Uh, he he's a developer. He works with Oracle. He does a lot of this kind of stuff. Why don't we have him come in and talk?" So we did that, um, and we explored step three. Explored a number of options, a uh, number of different CRM options. Uh, we looked at uh, we we basically came down to uh, two: Salesforce and Build Your Own. From a Salesforce framework. From scratch, we're primarily using uh, we're primarily using Google based libraries and tool sets and stringing them together. I, okay. So now I've revealed the decision we made. Well, well you, you just, you just said something that I, that I think is no small point is that you called in an expert at building CRMs yeah. and you said, um, this is where we're at. This is where we'd like to be. We need a tool that, can help us get there. Yes. And so he was able to conceptualize from the outside in. It's that whole saying that you can't see the forest when you're standing, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah. Because when you're here, you're trying to solve, and we were talking about this before, you're trying to put band-aids on paper cuts when you're running a business and thinking in terms of, okay, I need the CRM to <laughs> seal that crack, you know, to try to patch that bullet hole. And that's not the way that you need to approach it. You need to approach it from a completely outside in and get the perspective of somebody that's outside of your industry. Maybe yeah. in our case, that was very advantageous because, uh, you know, I don't know CRM lingo. Uh, he does. So when he was assessing CRMs for us, he was assessing them from structural perspectives. He was thinking about integrations, for example, which for us was hugely important. Okay. So integrations with other uh, processes and technologies that you need to run your business. Yeah, well, so we have pre-existing processes and technologies in my business. Yep. Uh, the biggest tools we use, the most relevant ones, are uh, our escrow processing software, which is called RBJ. Um, it's one of the big players in our industry. Okay. Um, and Google Apps which integrates, we, we do all of our documents. Uh, we do our documents creation uh, for like marketing stuff in, in Google Docs. 
um, our emails through Google is through Gmail. Very right? cool. So that was probably a really important part of that decision-making process is you're already working in this environment and this environment provides all of these other tools that most people looking for, I want to pay $99 a month and I get a CRM. Right. I, you can't see my scare quotes on if you're listening on the audio, but, <laughs> right. but, but so, so you really, uh, so we knew the tools that we right. that we already had. You're already familiar. Yeah. Right. And they weren't going to change. Like we perfect. The 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 for example, RBJ um as an escrow processing solution is not going to change. It it would just be almost impossible to rebuild something like that from scratch, given all the regulatory things that go into I mean, you're creating escrow documents Absolutely. with it, right? So it's like it's a big so it's deal. almost industry standard. It's almost right. the, it's almost the, almost the central nervous system of any professional escrow company. And it tells me, I mean, that's where uh, that's where I know who's opened escrow, what address, what the projected fees are, when the projected close of escrow date is, who the marketing rep is that's associated with that file. All of that's an RBJ. Does it also manage the communication and, and interaction process of no? Uh, that happens independently. It can, but we don't use it for that purpose because we don't like the way that, that, that it works in that capacity. Okay. But the tracking and the technical, the, 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 the technical, technical organization of the process, it does, best it does in class. It does that. Now, from a sales rep perspective, there's only a portion of, of that available data, which is relevant. Okay. And, and basically the things I just listed, right? property address, agent, all that. That's relevant. Yep. Um, Interested part or parties that are associated with the transaction. Exactly. Like, that, like yeah. that's relevant information. Um, the sales reps never really need to see any documents that are generated out of the system, right? So because they, they're just not dealing with that. That's what my escrow officers do, right? Um, so extracting data from that was was a key objective. And, 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 and by the way, I would say when you're sitting down and looking at a CRM, right? Have your key objectives in mind. What like what do you want it to do? What are the problems you're trying to get it to solve? So for us at that time, the problem I thought I was trying to solve was aggregation of data, centralization, aggregation of data, so that my uh, sales guys could be maximally informed. By the way, skipping ahead to later in this podcast, that objective changed. But at the start, okay. that was the. Let objective. me tap the brakes here real quick because I want to. I, I want to talk about, um, or I want to at least bring up what is the equivalent of what you just described in both the real estate and the mortgage space. So in the real estate space, that might be a uh, transaction transactional management um, It would be software. easier for me to talk about the mortgage space because I'm a little bit more familiar. So something like well, the mortgage Compass. space, it's an LOS. Yes, in the mortgage it's space, LOS. it's a loan origination software, which is right. where all of the legal happens, all of the calculations happen, all of the fees and the the regulations and the law happens. So, so this is this is this is really interesting because I I, I don't know because I didn't think about it. <laughs> it's, it's like I mean we're friends, but I've never act of, asked you about your transactional software. Um, <laughs> I can't believe so, it. I'm so offended. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. You should be. I'm so shallow. So. I, what is that in the real estate space? Do we know? I mean, is there is there a is there a best in classes or a standard transactional? So once this thing is open, are they relying on escrow to manage I, I, all of that stuff, or do they have? Well, so they are generating their own documents. I think they're using stuff like 
zip forms, maybe sky slope, uh, you know, an amalgamation okay. of pools. That okay. would be my that guess. Would, that would, I guess that would make, I guess that would make sense. It, it would manage the, it would manage the legal and, uh, the legal aspects of the transaction and the document management and things like that. I don't know that it's tracking the money side. I don't know because I've just I have very limited exposure to the real but, estate. But absolutely, side. you nailed it in the mortgage space. That's your that's your, your you LOS, know your yeah. LOS. That's your you know your Calix Point, your Encompass, your all of those kinds of things. Okay, right, okay, right. cool. So so once I had that conversation and we and we we basically came down to build your own or. Uh, Salesforce, primarily because of the flexibility of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. The build your own, we'll set aside for a second. I'll explain why that was an option. But on the Salesforce side, it's just so robust and so powerful that we thought we had the option to really string a bunch of things together. We were looking specifically at Salesforce Lightning. We thought, okay, this could be a nimble, affordable solution that allows us to uh, integrate all the things we want to integrate. Is this sort of a done for you version kind of of Salesforce? Is it kind of a, like a, because Salesforce is, you could send somebody to Mars on Salesforce almost. It's like almost unlimited in its capabilities of what it can do. Yes. Right. Cause it's so huge. It's so huge. So what you're talking about is, is like a product that they, that has all the power of Salesforce, but narrowed down to the essential elements. So, that well, no. So what Salesforce lightning, as I understand it, is it's basically all of the things Salesforce could do, but sold modularly so that you, you can have a, like a, you know, instead of having like this massive, all these tools hanging off and you pay like a big fee, you basically pay kind of on a modular level for certain tools. Okay. As opposed to a, as opposed to a, uh, let's call it a CRM in a box that has all of its tools. Like when you used to buy windows machines, when you used to buy a PC and it had all the software installed in it already and you you had to go and delete, and you had to go and delete everything out of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just get a fresh install of windows and well, and that, and that's, um, so this is, this is really funny and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm, actually on the same path as you and I'm kind of smiling because <laughs> because my my process our discovery process and we're we're dead in the middle of this as well mm-hmm. and I can tell you what products and what we're doing and it is almost exactly the same we're switching LOSs uh, because this has been for for us and and I don't mean to go off the rails here because I want to get back to your experience but for us, we had all of these different technologies that we were trying to get to talk to each other, and we rely heavily. We use a lot of Google Docs and things like that, and now yeah. almost everything is interconnected. Um, but we were able to narrow down our, and I, we call it our tech stack. So yeah. we were able to narrow down our tech stack to two pieces, and I think we've been able to narrow it down to uh, to our LOS and then our CRM piece, which. Um, I can interject. I almost have a feeling that this is a two-part. Uh, this is a two-part podcast because uh, there's this is a deep conversation, and I think it's a super, super important conversation for anybody who's serious about uh, about creating this asset, creating automation, and creating consistency. Yeah, in- let me both you and I versus maybe someone listening in is you and I have businesses that are operating on some scale. Right. Um, in other words, I've got 
I've got 12 employees. I don't know how many employees that's true. You have no, that's that, right. that, that's somewhat true. I mean, we have seven, yeah. So, so I mean, but, we've got momentum, we have previous experience, we've done things in the past to know like where business comes from, what works, what doesn't work, uh, what where the struggles have been versus somebody who's starting from absolute zero. Um, so one of the questions that was asked to me, for example, is Dustin, why didn't you just use um, Lion Desk? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that was a great question. Um, the biggest problem that we had to solve right out the gate, knowing the tech stack that we had to borrow your your term, is non-integrative oh. at all. And that's because escrow software, with the exception, actually, I'm just going to make a universal statement and piss a lot of people off. <laughs> escrow software sucks <laughs> it is so awful and and part of the reason why is because the people who develop it and there's one exception one company that i would put as an exception and i'm not going to name them um they have this like poverty mindset this like scarcity mindset of oh we have to hold on to all the data and we have to be super protective of our ip because if we have any kind of apis and any kind of integrations people are going to figure it out and not be over it's like they're tele- the people who built their former telecom guys. They're okay. not Silicon Valley people. Okay. Right. So we have all of this super valuable data trapped in a system that won't talk to anything else. Now, when I bought years ago, I said, the only way I'm signing this contract is if you allow me to extract data when I want to, how I want to. I also want to push data into the system. And they said, we'll give you extraction. We won't give you a push. So I settled. Um, and that's what we did. So by contract is now working with us to allow me to extract the data. But they're, I'm having to have them build a tool. Scott, this, this probably is going to blow your mind. <laughs> is one of the biggest players in the escrow space. No other client has ever asked them to build a tool that extracts data for integration into a CRM. Ever. That's what they told me. See, okay, the mortgage space is exactly the same. Stupid. It it used to be exactly the same. It used to be exactly the same. They only now are we starting to see uh, browser-based, web-based LOSs. They used to all be server-based and they were secure servers. And I get the the security and the encryption. Um, But encryption's a a thing now. But you've got these LOSs that are in these locked boxes that there's all of this this stuff that's happening and it's all closed off and there's no communication. Now, if you want to pay... $50,000 $50,000 just to get access to the SDK in order and so that you can hire developers to build integrations, direct integrations to extract or push data in and out of the LOS, you can do it. Um, but in today's wonderful, wonderful world, I can say as of sitting here today, um, we are we are looking at a um, at a browser based open source. I wouldn't say open source, and it's open source in terms of accessibility and the ability to connect to it. Um, but there are finally LOSs now right. in the mortgage space that are completely that can can connect to almost anything. It's because it's because escrow software, and I imagine LOSs, highly specialized, 
and the compliance side of things, absolutely. security side of things, absolutely. Like RBJ as an escrow da- processing data security, software, data security is the biggest issue in our business, right? And ours too. And, that needs and, to be addressed. And escrow and, and as an escrow processing software is phenomenal at what it does. I'm just frustrated with it from a technologist perspective because it's not integrative, and so we're having to custom build the solution. Well, and the reason the reason you want it to be integrative and 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 so this is interesting because so far so far what we're talking about the path we're going down is um almost organization and accountability right um but ultimately where we want to get with our crm is uh is consistency in messaging and consistency in consumer experience not just and consistency it, but also this like you want to create this omniscience. I think you you uh, had mentioned this in a previous podcast. You want to create that impression, and, and and not just an impression. It would be actual that you are aware of all of the things happening in in the field of play. Yes, but those things are always dealt so that your output. So let's. So when I say consumer, your your escrow officers are a consumer. And so are all of the other parties in the experience. So when you plug somebody in, you want that level of communication, attentiveness, um, understanding of where we're at in the process, alerts of where we're in, problem anticipation. That needs to be an automated, that needs to have automated triggers so that that experience, that transactional experience is consistent so that I know if I use Lighthouse Escrow, I know I'm going to get to glow every time because the process is always the same. And if it relies on human beings, human beings have different levels of comprehension and understanding and communication. And when you can build it, and that's where your CRM becomes an asset because that CRM is the filter. It's the, it's the translator. It doesn't matter what somebody says in this end of it, how it's going to be translated at the other side is always going to be the same message. Yes. Hopefully. Now I, I, I want to leave room. <laughs> yes. I want to leave room in there for personality distinctions and all sorts of things, right? Like I want a message from uh, my more bubbly escrow officers to feel a little more bubbly, and I'm okay with uh, my more sober-minded but like all about business escrow officers. Their message feeling, but well, when that message is delivered, at what point in the process, and right. how it is delivered is a cons- is a consistent part of the process. The voice yeah. and the personality absolutely needs to come through. So I it's, agree a, with it's that. It, yeah. So it's a, it's a high wire act a little bit, and you never want to make uh, anyone feel like. They're just cogs in some digital system. The way that I put it is I want human to do human things and I want computers to do computer things. And a computer thing is aggregating data. A human thing is looking at the data and then putting it into action. Uh, Now, so, so, okay. So let me, let's just go back to the story here. So we, we were looking at two different solutions the reason that we ultimately decided not to use Salesforce and instead build our own, which, by the way, I I almost always tell people, never build your own thing. And the reason why we decided to build our own thing, there were a couple of reasons. One, I'm unusually highly competent at building technology because of my background building technology. And so I know how pro- the process works. I know uh, how to stay like really tightly within scope 
and not allow scope creep to, to, to happen. Um, I also know how to talk to developers and designers are two different languages. And so I felt confident that I could execute a build successfully. And uh, you've just isolated everybody else listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super rare. I'm going to, I mean, yes, I did. And, and because again, like I said, I tell people it's almost never, ever a good idea. The second reason we did it was from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted was I wanted to have sort of passive users and active users. I wanted the salespeople to be able to get in and, you know, see all this data and uh, be able to, um, you know, put it to work. But I also wanted a class of passive users, basically our escrow officers, where the system could pay attention to that communication. So our salespeople could know that communication was happening, mm-hmm. which would which would encourage them, okay, like, you know, the escrow officer I gave this client to is in communication with the client. We're good. It's not like it's been radio silence, right? But the escrow officers are never going to log into this CRM, at least in the version that I'm building right now. There are future versions I'm envisioning, but let's leave that for another conversation another day. So in order to have a passive user class, uh, if we had gone with Salesforce, it would have been massively expensive because Salesforce doesn't allow for that kind of passive observation of communication without paying for a full user license. Um, And I didn't like that. And so it, it presented scale problems. Well, and that's and and that's that's a that is something that anybody researching a CRM is going to look at, and and that goes back to what we were looking at. Also, is is every CRM is going to have the developer's idea of how this process flow should work, mm-hmm. right? And and these are the tools that we will give you to to create that process flow, but within the scope of how we've designed it. So it it's, so you at least have the ability or you have the experience to say, okay, we can piece this together and we don't need all of, we don't need somebody's idea of how this is going to work. And I think that's what a lot of people run into when they get CRMs, they buy CRMs and you not only have to learn the, 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 the the tools and the features and the functionality you have to learn the mindset of how they think you should be thinking about the process yes and that oftentimes is the big challenge which is why in a previous episode of this podcast one of the things that we talked about was the mistake that most people make is they spend the big spend to buy the crm and then they don't spend the additional much less big spend to get someone within the company who's an expert or you know whatever third-party vendor that company works with who knows the language to set it up. The person says, I'm going to set it up myself. And that's where you basically run into the problem of dumping a whole bunch of money into something you're never going to use. So you should just assume when you're pricing a CRM, and this is what I did as well, right? So even if we had gone with Salesforce, I was not only going to pay Salesforce, I was going to pay this developer who got me to Salesforce to build it out for me. I wasn't going to build Salesforce. Right. Okay. So if you're looking at a CRM, you have to bake in the cost of hiring somebody to set it up for you. That would be my advice. You don't have to objectively. I'm saying subjectively from my experience, you should do this. I think it's important enough that if you run a serious business, if you're a one-man shop, um, 
get follow-up boss, you're fine, right? If you're a real estate agent or something like that, if you're a one-man show, but if you're running a business and if you're building an asset and and I think that those conversations need to be had because I think there are people that have teams that are holding together the teams with by a thread, hoping that everything fits together and everything's organized, but you can't scale. You can't right. scale and you can't automate. When you automate, you relieve the pressure because that's when you you hit um, the point of dimishi- diminishing returns with your ability to keep all of the cats <laughs> herded, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's really what CRM the CRM does is it gives you that it gives you that architecture and that structure so that it frees you up to scale. Yeah, so so well, it's interesting that you say that because the way, like I said, the way that I uh, structured the CRM initially. So we we made the decision. Let's just go back to the story. We made the decision to build our own. So now we're sitting down. We're like, okay, what tools do we want? Well, in order to understand what tools we wanted, we had to understand what information we cared about. So that was where we started. Mm-hmm. What information do we care about and why? And we listed that out in a Google Doc, right? Not sexy, literally just And when boom, you said boom, we, boom, boom, boom. who was involved in we that process? My, myself and my sales team. Okay, and good. Then, so you got your sales team involved? Yeah, the 100%. One? Excellent. Because yeah. they're the ones who are going to use it primarily. See, that's so important. It, you keep saying these things and I and I and I just want to I want to make sure that those points aren't lost. It's it's really important if you expect your users to be able to if you expect your employees to be able to use this system, having their input and their buy-in on this thing and also giving them the um giving them the uh you know, now they feel like this is something that they helped create. Now they're a part of it, right? And mm-hmm. so there's a buy-in there. There's an investment there. And I think that's super important. Even if you have a very small team, if you have five people on your real estate or your mortgage team, talk to your employees, get them involved, get their buy-in, because then they don't just feel like they're a little number. They feel like they're, especially when you're an entrepreneur, which we are, we're entrepreneurs, as an entrepreneur, you have this certain vision and you're just kind of, I want to do things this way and I want to do things this way. But when you get your employees involved in, they want, they most likely work with you because they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. They don't want to be a cog. They look up to a leader that they're close to. It's not some CEO on a Fortune 500 list that you'll see on CNN. It's Dustin is in that office over there. I can walk over there and I can see that guy and he cares enough about my opinion. The technology aside, the way that you, the, the, that step is so vitally important. If you are building a structure that you expect people to work on, get their input because as you know, and, and I'm going to, I, you need to finish your story. I'm sorry. I apologize for keep interrupting, but I would be willing to bet that there was input from your employees that didn't even cross your mind. Oh yeah. There was a lot of that kind of input. And to your point about the buy-in, because they're the ones who are using it, if they don't have buy-in, what's going to happen is I'm going to spend a bunch of money. I'm going to roll it out. People are going to look at it and they're going to say, this feels like work. They're going to, they're going to tolerate it <laughs> yeah. and then they're going to stop using it right now. Of course. So you started with the why team. This is why we're doing this. This is how this is going to make all of our lives better. Yeah. I want your opinion on how, on, on what, what, what things do you, what things are you looking for? I was more specific than that. I said, look, here's how I want it to fit into your life. Like my vision. So I don't want it to be something 
that merely tracks your, your progress and work. Uh, I want it to be something that assists you in closing deals. It's not big brother. Cause I think a lot of people think of CRMs that way. Yeah. Well, I want it. That way. We need it. They're built that way to track how many phone calls did you make? What was the average time of your phone call? And, and it, and it's, it's, if it's when it's used as an accountability tool, it feels oppressive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, are there going to be accountability features in it? Absolutely. 100%. But that's like way background process stuff that my sales team doesn't need to care about. That's between me and the developer who I'm working with. We're building a separate admin dashboard, right? And I can extract that information 10,000 ways. So, but they're telling you what they want to be, what what would make it easier for them to keep track of their day and keep track of their and closing sales. Yes, that's the key. So that's phrase. the accountability piece that they want for themselves. This will make my life easier if no, I don't have to. It's f- not accountability. It's assistance. And that the difference okay. is accountability is I know I should be doing these things. This system is reminding me I should be doing these things uh, versus, an, versus an assistant who's like, hi, Mr. Stevie. I just wanted to let you know that so-and-so just closed a deal. You should reach out and give him a quick call. Thanks. That's amazing. Right. Or, hey, Mr. Stevie, so-and-so just opened a deal. Would you like me to quickly shoot him an email? Yep, that would be fantastic. Thanks for your help, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the difference. One grinds you down, and the other one builds you up. Um, And so that's what we did is we sat down. I sat down with my sales team. We started talking about uh, the different different bits of information they cared about um, and why they cared about it and how that information could potentially help them uh, help them close more sales. We, uh, we out, we basically started and said, okay, here are some buckets we could put the information in. So that gave us, you know, categories like, uh, escrows that are open versus clients versus contacts, stuff like that. But the bottom line is we took, we took the world of all information and we determined which information was valuable. And I think this might be a good you place. You organized and prioritized the information. We did. Now, this might be a good place to wrap up and go to uh, episode the second half of this episode because yeah. once we did all this work, right, and it was a lot of work, and we, like I said, we put it out on a Google spreadsheet. I read a book uh, that you gave me, The 12-Week Year, and I realized that I was making a mistake. Great cliffhanger. Great we'll cliffhanger. see you next week. Yeah, so <laughs> on the next episode, we'll dive into the mistake. In the meantime, uh, if you have CRM stories or if you have questions about the decisions we made uh, in our CRM uh, process here, go to marketingtrench.fm. Uh, you can see uh, the different episodes we have. You can also find our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is where active conversations are happening. Uh, join us on Facebook. It's the Marketing Trench. So uh, those are the two places we'd love to hear from you, get your feedback, maybe incorporate your feedback in a future episode. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please subs- uh, please like it uh, and leave a review, uh, especially we are on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. yeah. So like and leave us a review. Tell your friends about it so that they can subscribe. And we look forward to talking you uh, with you on the next episode of The Marketing Trench.